Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host, Ray. Ray Hello. sounds a little bit different. It's the first time he's recording since he got married. Congratulations, <laughs> bud. Thank you. It is the first time, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> so tell us about the big event. You were up in Vegas. Yeah, Vegas wedding. But like a real wedding, like you actually like got dressed up and planned, not just a drive through and got on, you know, the uh, service run by Elvis. Yeah, no. Um, we were at the Caesar's Palace. And come to find out, a lot of people actually do get married in Vegas, like actual married. Um, and apparently a lot of people from England. Really? <laughs> come okay. To find out, yeah. It's a bit bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of one of those interesting things. Well, congratulations. Look, I saw pictures. Looks really awesome. Um, everybody was, looks like it was a lot of fun. And um, welcome to the club. So that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so other news since our last show, back to more of a 40K vein, is uh, we Robert and I broke down the balanced data slate, but we had a couple things that we were still left speculating and uh, speculate no further. Uh, good old Games Workshop finally came out with a uh, very handy document. Um, basically, what is this thing called? The Psychic Awakenings Faction Updates. Basically, anything that's come out since Psychic Awakenings, is it legal? Is it not legal? Well, here it is. It's all spelled out for you. And it's, um, for the most part, no big surprises as far as I thought. Um Basically, if you hadn't had a codex, if your codex doesn't come out yet, Psychic Awakenings is still legal. Yep. It's, yeah, it's nice. It's pretty straightforward if you have problems finding it. Because there were a lot of people the day that this came out that could not find it. So there was some conjecture that it was fake. It's in the community webpage under downloads, not in the FAQ section, in the downloads as the content validity updates. But uh, yeah, so it's it's very straightforward. It, it's very colorful. That helps. Um, so when it comes to whether the rules are still up to date, it's either got highlighted in green with a check mark, or highlighted in kind of a reddish color with the next. The idea being green is good, red's bad. <laughs> um, right. So it. If you take a quick look, it, it doesn't take much to figure out that, for the most part, as far as at least the Psychic Awakening goes, if the Codex in question that got stuff in that Psychic Awakening has gotten its 9th edition Codex, that stuff's not pertinent anymore. It's in the red. But if they have not gotten their Codex yet, it's all still good to still use. Some of the sections have a kind of a little point it says valid until January 2023 unless superseded by a codex that's not for everything um, for that's, instance it's for a lot though uh, well so that in parentheses at least as far as in the psychic awakening I'm only talking about the, that first page um, we're only talking Heretic Astartes, or Gas Space Marines, uh, Astral Terum, um, the other various Chaos armies that still have not gotten their codexes, and of course the Agents of the Imperium. 
Now, a couple of these things have an asterisk next to their name, and that has to do with uh, Warzone Caradon Act 2, The Book of Fire. That's because those same rules were reprinted, and as such, you can use either for those rules. Now, the important part, page two. <laughs> <laughs> we move from the uh, Psychic Awakening stuff that was the end of 8th and into the ninth edition stuff. As such, almost everything is in green. Every single section, with the exception of the White Dwarfs, has uh, valid until January 2023. I'm assuming we'll see something like this again next year, where things will be updated as to what's still good and what's not. So, what's not? That's really the important part here. Well, um, let's start off with Warzone Octarius 1. Um, the Appendix for Tyranids is no longer valid. The Codex Supplement of Leviathan, no longer valid. And the rules for the Synaptic Link for the Tyranids Hivemind is also no longer valid. Anything else is still valid. So it's very targeted there. Well, bigger news comes when you look at the White Dwarf, if you want to talk about that, Eric. Sure do. So those of you who look who are super excited about the Emperor's Spears and the Exorcists and the Tome Keepers, all these uh, Index Astartes, good news. They're still in the game. As is for all you Craft Worlders, uh, Craft World Altazar, which I probably just butchered, it's still legal. But uh, with the biggest bigaboo, and a lot of people were talking about this when they did the Tyranid Codex review, Crusher Stampede is no longer valid for competitive play as is the White Dwarf versions of Psychic Awakenings for both Death Watch and Harlequins. They've all been nullified at this point. So uh, in one part, you kind of just kind of breathe a sigh of relief, and I have to give a quick shout-out to the poor uh, tournament organizers for the Dallas GG. Uh, they put out an announcement a week before this came out and said, we're not going to allow Crusher Stampede and uh, Codex Leviathan. <laughs> and then to created a whole bunch of heat for it, and then literally within like 72 hours, this document gets downloaded by Games Workshop. I'm like, we told you so. <laughs> so, sometimes as a uh, TO, you gotta stick your neck out, and every now and then, you get uh, justified, hopefully in time before your event. In the words of Conrad Kerr's vindication. Yes. But I am really surprised that, because uh, it was a very odd situation that the Tyranid stuff came out before the Codex, whereas example, the Army of Renowns for um, Mechanicus Defense Cohort and Terminus Est for D Death Guard, those all came out after the Codex, so those are still in play. So it, at first when I saw this, I was like, well, that seems kind of unfair. I was kind of hoping they just, I thought they were going to do a kind of blanket, all Army of Renowns are now out of match play, but it's not the case. It was very, very targeted. And uh, it just... You know, some are much stronger than others, and also with all the changes to the balanced data slate, have to take a step back and reevaluate some of them. For example, the uh, Guild Team Strike Force, which is, I believe, the whole Phobos armor uh, version. Is that the right one, or am I thinking of Vanguard Spearhead? The one uh, with it's all Pho Phobos is the Vanguard Spearhead. Yeah, so now with Armor Content, I have to kind of look at that again with a fresh set of eyes and see if that's... Uh, viable or not. I haven't looked at it yet, so don't don't 
spam my inbox saying I'm an idiot. I haven't looked at it yet. Let me give, give it a chance. But one thing I am a little, this, yes, it's valid through January of 2023 and a bunch of more valid through June of 2023. Uh, thoughts on why those dates are significant? I think, uh, so if I were to just make a very basic guess, I would say we'll probably see something like this sometime by January. Um, as far as June goes, I think what we might see is, is one of two things. Um, and I kind of hope it's not the second, but I also kind of hope it is. Is it's either one, we're going to start seeing a rotation of the the what Warzone books are match play legal, and. Or we'll start seeing something like that. Or the second option is tenth edition. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of insane. I'd like. I, I. Yeah, I like this. I, I would kind of like to see tenth edition because there's there are things about ninth edition that I really think they need to change, mostly in regards to terrain rules. I almost feel like it's. It's almost over, too complicated, and it, even though it, you think it's simple, it's too complicated because there's just too much types. It's this and that, and this and that, and things that you. The rules you'd expect for dense terrain aren't for dense terrain. That kind of a thing. Uh, and then you have all the rules along with it. Um, oh, I kind of half agree with you. I get the keyword thing can get because some. There's certainly some terrain pieces that have like six or seven keywords. I guess the biggest thing I've seen when playing is keeping track of them. It reminds me almost yeah. of what edition was it where we had mysterious terrain and we did after like third turn you kind of forgot. Oh yeah, that's right. This has that ability. Um, uh, sixth not edition. The, sixth, yeah. So not to toot my own horn, but we we recognized that and it's scorched earth. And one of the things we did was there was a diagram as part of the table number. So people could look at it and yep. then had the keyword. So it made it very easy to look at as opposed to the front right. gaming ones, which we, you know, just said it has keywords one, three, five, seven, and 11. Okay. What, what was one, five, seven? Uh, hold on. Yeah. So you had to go back to the packet. So that way you never needed to go back into the packet and you just saw what it was. So that made it much easier. Yeah. But um, to your point, that's not something out of the box. You know that we as the tournament organizers had to add that to make it a better playing experience. Yeah. So, and absolutely, if you're at your friendly local game store, or worse, you you go to the other store across town for the first time, you have no idea what the keywords are before. <laughs> you know, before and you have to kind of figure it out with your opponent, and then you kind of forget by game, turn three. What's this again? Is this dense or is this light? You said it was heavy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, I forgot. Yeah. And another thing in kind of regards to that is, and here's a question, when it comes to ruins, do you get the benefits from being in it or being outside of it? You get... Yeah, that makes it a very interesting gameplay. So the way it's supposed to work is you get the benefits by being in the base. That was the whole thing is you needed bases on all your pieces of terrain. But if you notice that a lot of players will set up behind it, because if the ruins had windows, you couldn't shoot through it. 
And as soon as you get onto the base, then you can still get shot. So it was an interesting way of getting a line of sight with uh, window terrain. But um, again, I think one of the things that really threw the addition off from, from day one was a, not a clear expectation of how much terrain needed to be on the table. Yeah. That being said, the reason I don't want to see a new a new edition yet is because this edition came out during COVID, and while COVID was at its worst, I mean, I think in our little corner of the United States, our the our FLG had been open for maybe a month, maybe two, when this came out. So people were just barely being able to go back in the stores. They couldn't game, but they could go in and buy stuff. Even a lot of, like last year, was like still people just kind of, kind of getting back in their toes into it. So there is no, we haven't had the kind of volume for games and just for like seeing the kind of direction that needs to be done as far as rules updates go in this edition like we have in the past. Yeah. Yeah, our area definitely got hit harder than most areas of the country. And um, sometimes we have to remind people of that, uh, even here locally. Uh, at one point, we were per capita the highest infection rate in the world. That was pretty, um, yay, yay, we're number one Ooh, for the wrong thing. Oh, crap. So, um, yeah, the, if I remember right, when, give you an, when the Jukari Codex dropped, I was so excited, but I think... I got two practice games in at a friend's house before we did that streaming tournament. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, getting ready for that thing was so nerve wracking because you just couldn't get any games in. you were, you know, there's nowhere to play. Um, Nakatiwa Onsault was our first event that was outside of uh, minimal, you know, very small eight person events that, cause they had to spread out the tables and wipe things down between rounds and all that sort of thing. All these COVID precautions, which seems very alien today, but um, it was just the way things were. And yeah, there's been also a lot of tweaks to the game and some of it, which we've seen in the last week's balance data slate, give them some time to breathe and see if they worked or not before we start. Um, t- you know, repackaging everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what to look for. Yeah, there's been hearing that, you know, I guess historically we a 10th edition would be coming out this uh, year from this June. So I was like, oh, it's at that time already. I'm like, oh. Yeah, unfortunately. And I, I hope GW doesn't do that, but if they, unfortunately, if they do, they do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're ready yet. I don't think we've seen enough. I think you're right. Agreed. On the other hand, they also made so many big changes. Like I said, these missions, you know, the seasons and all that. So we'd only have like three seasons under our belt by the time that would be coming out. Would be oh, it it actually work out to be because they were talking about doing it where it's two seasons in a year, right? Right. Wouldn't June be the beginning of the fourth? Because um, yeah. the one we're in right now is still the first. Correct. The first actual season, not just full year. So this June 22 would be the second. And then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it would be three seasons and then that. 
Yeah, that's, that's not it's not long enough. I would agree. I I, I think twenty. I I almost venture to say that the smart thing to be to do would be to um keep ninth edition up until maybe twenty twenty five, and if they feel like they need to do stuff with the rules, even if it's something simple like, well, we want to try things out. Give other uh, codexes a chance of having that 2.0 codex, not just like Space Marines. <laughs> um, keep do- keep doing the Warzone books, where you can give you know little little rule tweaks, even think little things like what we got with the Armor of Contempt for the Power Armor factions. Those are the kind of things that can keep the game going without necessarily. Telling people, hey, it's time to buy a new core book. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not even thinking you about can, the you can life in. Yeah. The amount of changes Sorry, they make to indirect fire. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, one change you I like to see is... can breathe life into the uh, game without another $60 book. Yeah, easily. and um, Or $80 book at this point. Yeah, it's probably going to be... Yeah, let's love to see it change to blast a little bit. It still doesn't feel. I still don't get the impression. It doesn't feel right. I don't know how to put probably the thing away. You know how like, you know if you if a two damage weapon hits a one wound model, you know it, I'd rather a blast weapon should see that carry over. So, so if I cause. Um. Yeah, I I can see what you're saying there. There, there's that whole thing as to, you know, sometimes think, sometimes wounds bleed over, sometimes they don't. Um, I, I, I can definitely see a good argument for blast damage bleeding through the unit, not just being, you know, this is how many shots you get. Yeah, the shot thing. But I, almost, still- I, I always kind of figured that the whole number of shots thing was basically to kind of show you, okay, this is how many got hit in the blast, as opposed to this is how many shots you've got. Well, I think that's the problem with it. It kind of works the same way with flamer weapons. Yeah. Well, flamer weapons still fixed, and it auto-hits. Like, if you've got a flamer, a D6 shots. I'm like, okay, so you're going to hit anywhere for one of the six things, and then if it's a big cluster of... uh, Actually, no, flamers aren't usually blasts, so... And that's the idea is that flamers if, aren't blasts, right? So they always there's a chance you only hit one guy with your flamethrower. So, um, whereas yeah, the blast weapons, if, depending on the unit size, you're guaranteed number of shots, but you still have to roll the hit, roll the wound, and all that. And part of me says, do yeah. a couple. There's a couple changes they can make to speed up the game, and um, I think that'd be one of them. <laughs> well, how would you? F- in- your opinion, how would you fix it? Would you take away the the need to roll to hit? Um, I think you still have the need to roll to hit, but I would get rid of the variable number of shots. So you'd go back to, for example, all right, let's take like a Lehman Rust. Uh, I think they're like strength eight, AP big, and then like damage three type thing. So back in the day, yeah. it used to be what, two shots each? So if I'm firing it at a like a knight or another vehicle, I got two shots and hopefully I'll hit it. I wound it twice. I'm doing six damage. But if I'm firing at a horde, let's say I'm firing at a clump of cultists, then because it's a blast weapon, even though it's only two shots that hit, 
it does six damage, and the six damage would bleed through each cultist. Whereas if I was firing, say, a heavy bolter, which does two damage, I'm wasting that extra damage because it doesn't have the blast thing. So you're basically saying it would have a variable number of shots depending on how many models there are? No. Uh, but it wouldn't be you rolling D, a D6 or a D3. Right. You'd be a fixed number of shots like any other weapon. So, for example, so... Well, it would be variable, the, depend, but it's just not random. Because it, it, it would be... The number would be different if there was six models as opposed to two. Nope. So it varies depending on the... Uh, no? No. So it'd be like, let's say... So back to the Lieb and Russ example. And it'd say it has right. blast. So it'd be like... Heavy two, strength eight, AP minus four, okay. three damage. So I'd roll my two shots, okay. and so let's say I'm a tank commander. So I hit, uh, I hit twice, wound twice against these cultists. So instead of killing two cultists, because the first shot hits, wounds, three damage. It's a one wound model. I just pick up the one model because it's blast. I would actually do. Um, because it does three damage, I would kill three cultists with it because it would bleed through with the first shot. <laughs> okay. So in a sense, the the, dam- the damage would just be treated like mortal wounds as far as the, the bleed through goes. Right. You still get a save and all that stuff, so I don't want to call it mortal wounds. Another example would be like the Eldar Night Spinner. It's strength seven, EP zero, two damage. Instead of being D6 shots, or I think it's D3 plus 2, or whatever it is today, let's make it like a flat 3 shots. I don't know if that's balanced or not, so don't come after me. But like, So you, I roll my 3 dice, I hit twice, because it's ballistic skill 3, I wound twice, and then instead of killing just 2 guys, because they're 2 damage each, I would actually cause 4 wounds. I would pick up 4 1 wound pox walkers, for example. <laughs> And of course, they would get their saves okay. at APs minus zero. And of course, because it's Pox Walker, they'd also get their feel nose pain. Okay. Just little things like that. All right. But yeah, speculation for another time. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. And then the busiest week of the year, at least in my household, is coming up uh, next week. And uh, Warhammer decided to add some more fun to that. So, Warmer Hammer Fest Online, it starts on Wednesday, May the 4th, for all you Star Wars fans, and continues through Cinco de Mayo, which is like a national holiday here in Arizona. And uh, You mean Cinco de Drinko. <laughs> I was going to say Cinco de Taco in our house, but yes. <laughs> and then uh, May 6th is uh, eh, not such an important day, but it's still pretty neat, and continues into May 7th. So, Ray, what's going on on Warhammer Fest Online those weeks? Well, we've got uh, a few days dedicated to previews and just overall discussions. Warhammer Fest 2022, online only this year. So, 
We get to start off with the reason you're listening to us, Warhammer 40,000. Thursday, if you're so inclined, Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Friday, the specialist games, Kill Team, Warcry, Necromunda, just those three. (laughs) Uh, And Saturday, something involving the new Horus Heresy, probably a big reveal. So, get our speculation hats on. Warhammer, uh, on the 4th there. What are they going to come out with to compete with on Star Wars Day? There's what I hope. Which... Your new hope? I'm I'm shooting for the moon here. (laughs) I'm shooting for the moon here. I'm hoping for another Primark. I don't care which side. I'm hoping for another Primark. That's bold. Okay. Um, what are we gonna get? It's probably gonna be the new demons, honestly. Uh, and I and I say this because when you scroll down the article talking about, as they put it, four full days of mind blowing reveals. You see a little YouTube clip, and I have not actually played it myself yet, but there is a silhouette. And that silhouette looks admittedly more like a demon prince of some sort. Or maybe a greater demon. Which is why it could be very, very small chance a demon primarch. Um, because at this point, I'm not holding my breath that we're going to see another one on the Imperial side. I don't know why, but I would have thought that we'd see two and two by now, but we haven't. <laughs> um, so either something big for Chaos Demons, maybe just maybe another Demon Primark. Um, but th- those are my thoughts there. Okay. Of course, maybe maybe if I were to actually watch this video, I would find out something a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> it does look very demonic uh, in terms of build. So from the Warhammer side of things, yes, I do have a new hope that we'll have all the Chaos Space Marine things coming out that particular day. But the reality is I think the Empire will strike back and knock it down to just being half of it, either just demons or um, something. I mean, maybe we get more of the uh, Leagues of Votan type previews. So more models, but no maybe. real codex updates in that regard. Uh, skipping ahead to Kill Team, um, at first we were kind of kind of blowing it off. The well, first thing that really speaks to me with this, Kill Team Warcry Necromunda. So nothing for Adeptus Titanicus, nothing for Aranalus. So really makes me wonder, are those games done at this point? Um, second thing with Kill Team is we were teased earlier in the year that a new Harlequin unit would be coming out via Kill Team, not and it would come in after the Codex. Is this the reveal for that particular unit? Could be. And then, of course, anything to um, do... Yeah, could be. Who knows? Pure speculation. Yeah. And, of course, Necromunda is going to be all about the uh, the new Snowpiercer uh, Ash Waste uh, campaign that they're doing. Yeah. The thing that they, they announced was going on pre-order this Saturday that 
I was hoping it would be actually be the announcement for the new Chaos Saint box set. But new. But new. Not the case. But um, and then, yeah, the Horus Heresy thing, yeah, you and I are, could be not, could that have more differing opinions? But yes, the new Horus Heresy being re-released, it appears to be no longer just a specialist game or a forge-world byproduct. It definitely appears to be the third, kind of replacing the Hobbit in the uh, pantheon of the top three at Games Workshop. I still think you need to give the game a chance. That being said, I've heard otherwise, but I still hope that they just get rid of the blast templates. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't. It's just not my. I, I can't seem to wrap my head around it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just it it sucks out all the things that I like about 40k, and um, what's left behind is this sort of. I hate beaky marines. I miss the chaos the demonic part of the Chaos Space Marines. They took all that out because it hasn't happened yet. And um, at least, in, and then on top of it, at least before this release, everything came through Forge World. So everything, I could not buy it at my local game store and it cost 20% more. I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. <laughs> but Eric, if you ever want to be able to play the Fallen and be good, this is the way to go. So question of you're you're Mr. Loremaster here. <laughs> Did the fallen happen before or after mm-hmm. the heresy? Uh so it depends on what you mean by the fallen. If you mean the followers of Luther, totally happened before because Luther got stuck on Caliban basically seething over what ha- over getting stuck there well before the heresy even happened. Now the whole falling to chaos part, much like a lot of the other factions, kind of happened afterward. Okay. By all accounts, if you want a faction that's fallen to chaos in Horus Heresy, there's only one, outside of demons themselves, there's only one chapter you can pick, and that's the Word Bearers. They've got possessed already. They're the only ones who do right. in, her- in the Heresy game. The funny part is, I have a whole bunch of those from Forge World. <laughs> Because <laughs> the uh, I didn't like the um, plastic possessed. They're, they're kind of showing their age a little bit. So I forgot what they call the Val Gorba or something like that. I don't know what they're called. The Gal Vorbeck. Yeah, those guys. So I have a bunch of those I've been using as proxies. So honestly, but anyway, you, uh, quite. You, know, you a can p- say what you want about the game. You can say what you want about the game, but I really feel like the Horus Heresy did a better job at really fleshing out the Traitor Legions than what we've seen in any of the codexes for Chaos Space Marines so far. That's an interesting way of saying it. Okay. Well, but well I mean, I can give you the next example, which is Iron Warriors are basically... Granted, we haven't seen the newest version yet. As of the 8th edition 2.0s, mm-hmm. if you would have looked at what it said for Iron Warriors and what it said for Imperial Fists, you'd have said, well, this is just copy-paste. Even though the whole idea is they're technically opposites. It's interesting way to think of it. 
I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll take some pages from that and bring it back to the Chaos Space Brain Codex. But I could have sworn at one point that Iron Hands could take, um, Iron Warrior, excuse me, could take obliterators at troops. So, so this addition that might have been back in like third or three point five, okay. or whenever they came out, because um, even back in sixth edition you couldn't do that if I remember right. Okay. Somehow I thought that was a thing. Oh well, might just be additionitis on my part. All right, well, that's speculation of the future. Let's talk a little bit about the past. So another big weekend uh, in tournament play, and probably the most exciting thing about this weekend, Tyranid Codex alive and well in the tournament circuit, as well as the balanced data sheet. So, um, Ray, talk about, tell me about some uh, lists that you saw that caught your attention. Yeah, so five were pointed out to me, and I made sure to grab them for myself to look over. Well, I mean, I got plenty to choose from. Which one would you like to look at first? I've got a fourth place and uh, a second place and then three first places. Start with one of the first place ones. We want All winners. Right, well, we'll start off with... <laughs> we'll start with this one. This happened at the Warhammarchy GT. They went 5-0 and oh and got first place. I can't tell you who played, because all I have is the list. So, we have... What is this? A... Where to go? I'm looking for the size. This is a battalion detachment. It is... Leviathan. For a minute there, I thought you said it had an Italian attachment. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, hey, yes. we got the touch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in the um, battalion detachment. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got the Hive Tyrant. Oh, it's important. So anytime I say Hive Tyrant, they're not winged because now it's a winged Hive Tyrant. So bear that in mind as I go through these lists. We have a Hive Tyrant. With Adrenal Glands, the Heavy Venom Cannon, Lash Whip, and Monstrous Bone Sword. Gave him the, the Psychic Power Neuroparasite and Spite, along with the Horror. With, uh, picked out the Relic called the Shard Gullet. Gave him toxic, Toxin Sacks. Oh, and just to top it off, we've got the Roller Trade of Perfectly Adapted. So, we've got next up, we've got the Neurothrope, taking up the second slot for the HQ. It has the Hive Nexus Onslaught, Paroxysm, and Smite Powers. Oh, this, this is the actual Warlord, with the Warlord trait of Synaptic Tendrils. And the Relic, the Resonance, Resonance Barb. Oh, and just for measure another pow psychic power of Catalyst. Um, in troops, we've got first off, a squad of Tyranid Warriors with Adrenal Glands and Toxin Sacks. Total number of nine, so this is a maximum side squad. Six of them have the Death Spitter and Dual Bone Swords. 
set up. Three of them have dual bone swords and a venom cannon. We next have two matching squads of Tyranid Warriors that have two Despiter dual bone swords and a dual bone sword venom cannon. From there we move to the elite slot at the Malice Scepter. Uh, a three-man squad of Tyrant Guard and a unit of Zoanthropes. From there we have the uh, Flyers, two Harpies. Both of them with the double heavy Venom Cannon kit out. And along with that, there is a Patrol Detachment, also Leviathan. And in the HQ slot, a Winged Hive Tyrant. It has Adrenal Glands and Toxin Sacks. And is kit out with the Lash Whip and Monstrous Bone Sword. So, you could take the Relic, the Reaper of Obliterax. I haven't heard that in a while. And then that's finished off with uh, three more squad uh, squads of Tyranid Warriors. Uh, a little bit different here. Only one squad has the two Despiters and dual bone swords, along with the, the third with the Venom Cannon. The other two squads have two Rending Claws and two Scything Talons, so pretty much bare bones there. So it's an interesting list from what you're hearing is because I have not heard a single Gaunt whatsoever. Everything is like, but it's not like the Big Crusher Stampede where you've got like ton of big bugs. It seems to be almost skewing somewhere in the middle with all medium bugs. Yeah. So obviously he came in first, so it's a pretty strong list, but I'm also thinking as more players tech for um, the new Power of Contempt meta, Tyranid Warriors kind of fall in that same MEQ equivalent. So I'm curious to see how that stands up. Yeah. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. Well here's another first first place list for you. Okay. This person also went undefeated. This was at the Renegade Wargaming Spring Up GT major event. So, starting off with a battalion detachment of Leviathan. We've got the Neurothrope. It is the Warlord. It's got the Relic of the Renaissance, Resonance Barb and the Warlord Droid Synaptic Tendrils. Hanging out with it in the HQ slot is a Winged Hive Tyrant 
with Lash Whip and Monstrous Bone Sword so that it could have the Reaper of Obliterax. It's got the Warlord Trade Adaptive Biology. On to the troops. We've got a 10-man squad of Hormigons. A... Eight-man squad of Tyranid Warriors. Five of them with the dual bone swords and Deathspeder kit out. One with the Barbed Strangler dual bone sword kit out. And two with dual bone swords Venom Cannon kit out. Then there is another squad. This is only three for the Tyranid Warriors. Uh, two Deathspeder, Lash Whip, and Bone Sword. And one Lash Whip Bone Sword with the Venom Cannon. And the third one, we've got two Despiter Dual Bone Swords and then a Dual Bone Sword Venom Cannon. On to the Elites, we've got a Death Leaper. Really? And, yeah. My god, okay. And a Malice Scepter. A three-man Tyrant Guard, and two three-man Venom Throb squads, followed up by three a squad of three Zoanthropes. And just to throw things off a tiny bit more, in the fast attack, we've got a Moloch and two six-man Ravener. Squads. Ravener Set up squads. with Despiter and two Rending Claws. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely see the theme with those so, Tyranid Warriors seem to be the cho- uh, troop choice uh, of the top players, but holy cow, that is like all over the place. And these almost sound like orc lists where there's just so much stuff in them. Yeah. I think maybe just to keep it kind of short and sweet, I'll finish off on the third first place list. This went 4-0-1 at Beer Hammer 2022. We've got what starts with a battalion detachment of Jormungandr. We've got in no force org slot a three-man squad of Zoanthropes. In HQ, a Neurothrope with Resonance Barb um, and the Warlord Trait Synaptic Tendrils. Also, a Winged Hive Tyrant with the Adrenal Glands and Toxic Sacks and the Lash Whip and Moan Sword so that it could be made to the Ripper, Reaper of Obliterax. It has the Warlord Trait Adaptive Biology. Oh, you know what? This is not... I'm sorry. This is not a battalion. This is a patrol detachment. Um, one troop squad of Tyranid Warriors. Two... Well, one Despiter with Lash Whip Bone Sword. One Despiter with Dual Bone Swords. And one Dual Bone Swords Venom Cannon. Down to the Elite slot. Another squad of Zoanthropes. And this is why I, I'm very entertained by this list. A three-man squad of Carnifexes. Each one kit out with a pair of Carnifex Sighting Talons. 
toxin sacs, sporces, which I don't remember if that's actually an upgrade or not, and the heavy venom cannon. Follow that up with a three-man squad of screamer killers with adrenal glands and toxic sacs, and of course the sporces. We then go to another patrol detachment. Also, Jormungandr with the Hive Tyrant. It's got the Adrenal Glands and Toxin Sacks, Lash Whip and Monster's Bone Sword, and the Heavy Venom Cannon. Now, in this case, it's got the Relic of the Shard Gullet. A three-man squad of Tyranid Warriors, all Death Spitter Dual Bone Swords, and ending it, we've got a Malice Scepter. So that's three first place lists with a couple of things that they all share. Well, it seems like the big thing they share is the not a single gaunt in any vest. No, that's not entirely true. Remember the one had hor- the ten man Hormagon squad. Okay, you're right. But far from you know, a lot of Tyranid warriors in there, every one of them has a Malice Scepter, which we've seen in previous lists. Um Interesting variety. I mean, both Hive Tyrant and Winged Hive Tyrant. But uh, you got the one with the six Carnifexes. You got the other one with uh, they had the, th- the small three-man Hive Guard unit. I thought that was interesting related to the uh, balance data sheet. Yeah, that reminds me. Which weapon were they kid out with? Let me double check real quick on that one. Yeah, it was just a wild uh, breakdown of weaponry there. It's just kind of like, okay. Some of the stuff I got to even look back up to figure out what they do again. <laughs> Tyrant Guard. So these are Tyrant Guard. No. Not Hive Guard. These are Tyrant Guard. Tyrant Guard are the gar- are the guards yeah. that have the uh the bodyguard role, right? Yeah. So Yeah. But it's interesting with the new balanced data sheet, that means even if you kill one just They'll still provide the bodyguard rule, even though they're below three-man unit. Yes. There's also the whole sharing of a lot of them have neurothropes. On a lot of them, always seem to have the same thing on roughly the same model. The neurothropes have the the barb string, uh, the resonance barb. The every list had either. The Reaper of Obliterax, or the Shard Gullet, or both. Yeah, I remember the Reaper. No. I have to look up the Shard Gullet. I forgot what that did. That's um, the Shard Gullet. I can give you that information. So, as I recall, and from what I'm looking at here, it replaces a Heavy Venom Cannon. And it has the following profile. Now, I am looking on the app, so if this is messed up, that's why. I don't want to walk all the way across the room to grab my codex. <laughs> it is a, <laughs> it is range 36, assault 3, strength 12, AP minus 5, damage 5. Uh, damage 5. Holy cow. Yeah. 
That is doing some. Yeah, that's gonna gets past your armor. You're in trouble. Wow. Well, it's almost impossible to not get past the armor. Um, Minus five. Yeah. Something with a something with a two plus save is going to a seven plus, which means no save. Something that, for the sake of argument, somehow gets all the way down to a one plus save is actually only going to have a six plus save. So it's pretty much going to take out whatever it's going up against, short of Envoln saves. Um, it's going to kill anything that has less than six wounds, as long as it gets at least one hit all, all the way through. If you're shooting us at vehicles, or something like vehicles, like monsters, it's probably going to knock them down a tier after the first shot. And it'll probably knock them down a tier on the second shot, too. Depending at least on how many you get off. Because if you get... I think most most models, it's six to knock... Six or seven to knock down. There's a couple where it's like nine to knock them down the first peg. Yep. But after that, it's half as much. Some crazy stuff up there. And it was interesting to see how the Tyranids did. It wasn't the astronomical 70% win rate we've seen from the other new codices that have been released, but um, still up there. Still in the mid-60s, which is a little high, but um, we were all kind of waiting for this literally just <laughs> crusher stampede <laughs> to run over the meta, and it wasn't quite that bad week one, so I'll have to see how it all pans out. Yeah, and... Another thing I think what we're going to end up seeing is it's going to be a while before we see a ton of people playing Tyranids. Um, I know lately there's a big push on people who see, oh, this is the next broken army, let's buy the into this army. A lot of their stuff's uh, temporarily sold out. In fact, about 75 to 80% of all the models for Tyranids are in the web store as being temporarily out of stock. <laughs> Especially the stuff that we've seen in the, in the in these tournament lists, and that was before we saw these lists. Whoopsie! So, well, if GW was trying to figure out a way to get rid of a lot of their backlog of models, I think they found the perfect way to do it. It's amazing. It's almost like rules sell the models. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, those are an interesting debut for Tyranids. So, um, looking ahead, so we talked about the top list. Don't forget about you guys down in the middle tables there. And so, once again, this week, we have another installment of This Week in Mid-Table Obscurity. And um, it could not be any more different than last week. Last week, it was dominated by three factions. And uh, those, you know, we looked at what percentage you're looking at is, you know, Custodes made up 13% of all uh, all tournament lists that finished either 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three in events of five games or more. And then right behind that was uh, Eldari and Tau, each occupying 10%. This week, no single faction had more than 7% of the share. It was completely wow. spread out. Matter of fact, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 10 factions were within 
two percentage points. They either made up the top 10 factions were either 7%, 6%, or 5% of the meta. So the big ones, no surprise, Tau is still up there at 7%. It's in an interesting crawling into the maybe a gatekeeper list is Necrons was 6%. And uh, Custode's still hanging in there at 6%, but a huge drop from 13% from the previous week. So that might be just people just buying into the hype that Custodes are dead. But um, basically, if you had Armor of Content, you made up 38% of the mid-table meta. So we saw big increases for Dark Angels, Death Guard, um, Grey Knights, regular Vanilla Marines, and of course, Thousand Suns, and, um, and then last but not least, Tyranids, um, taking up some time at the, in the mid-tables obscurity as well, so at 5%. But basically, so if you're in the mid-tables, you need to be prepared to deal with Marine equivalents with their new rule. Because chances are you're going to play not one but two games in a six-game set against somebody that has that sort of ability. Beyond that, you're looking at this usual top three, Tau, Nids, and um, Custodes. And then after that, it's it's a crapshoot at that point. Probably me, Necrons, being that probably their best choice. But So if you can kit out for uh, T4, I guess it's a three-up save. <laughs> Um, trying to figure out what I'm still trying to figure out best way to counter this particular new ability. So I'm kind of toying with ideas of do you go after as much AP three or higher, or do you just swamp them with as much AP zero as possible? Because at AP zero, you're still going against a three up save. I think an argument could be made for either direction, really. Okay. So, unfortunately, there's not enough points in the list to go in either direction. So, I'm still trying to figure it all out. But anyway, so you're, those are some of the. It's so interesting. We had a, some great lists uh, to talk about this week. Not a lot of change in your ITC top ten standings. We'll go over that in one quick second. And uh, so, in tenth place, Quinton Johnson with 1,055 points. Ninth place, Sean Rice. 8th place, Brenton Weiss. 7th place, Ben Jones. 6th place, Ryan Snyder. Curious to see if Ryan Snyder stays with Custodes, because he's been playing them pretty much for two editions straight. 5th uh, place, Innes Wilson. 4th uh, place, Mike Porter. Curious to see if he pivots off of Harlequins at this point. We'll see what he does. Thomas Ogden comes in at 3rd. Matt Robertson in 2nd. Manny Chima still at the top of the uh, heap with 1,254 points. Also want to touch base with uh, some of the local uh, tournament circuits. So probably one of the largest that uh, exists in the Midwest, otherwise known as the Lord Marshall Conference. In 10th place, uh, John Teets with 464 points. Ninth place, Tim Royers. Uh, he's the uh, TO for the Bug Eater GT, if you, that name sounds familiar. Eighth place, uh, Kyle Thompson from Goonhammer. Seventh place, Jeffrey Husser. Sixth place, Kyle McCord. Uh, fifth place, Bam Bam Hunter, who runs the Flying Monkey GT. Uh, fourth place, John Intelligente. Third place, Chris Campbell. Second place, Cam Hawkins. And in first place, Dan Sammons on top of there. So there is your standings of some of the top players at this point. So looking at next week... Um, 
big tournaments there. And then also then finally our first two weeks after that is our first GW event of the season. Any chance you're uh, zipping up to um, Seattle for that event, Bray? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Still on the fence. Uh, how about those? It's it's interesting those particular events because sometimes a lot of players are like, well, they don't have as much co- competition all, from first to last, but they also bring in a lot of new players to the hobby. So it's it's almost like it's good to see it, and uh, I'm curious to see who shows up for that particular event. But also, I uh, haven't seen a big event since uh, quite some time up in Seattle. So glad to see that coming back. Agreed. Yeah, we got a really good met up there, so it'd be really nice to see that happen. So between that, we've got a few more updates to expect, and then the big reveals next week. Uh, I'll be looking forward to those. Ray, any parting thoughts before we close things out? Uh, if you're playing against the really good armies right now, just now's your time to figure out what, what the best way to win against them. A lot of the people who are going to be playing, they're even as broken as it may seem, a lot of them are still trying to figure out the armies too. Um, so, if you think you can get out ahead with, do it. Uh, no cheating, of course. And if you happen to figure out a good way to kind of take those broken lists and you know get, get them down a peg or two, feel free to message us and let us know, and we'd be happy to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, more than happy to. There's, it's been a big change, and I think it's some of those changes are still, still working their way out. So uh, make sure all the get all the dust off some of the, some new models that may have new life with what's going on. So, so with that, I uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Raymond, and thank you for listening to the Exterminatus podcast.